Austin Matthews and that grossly overhyped group in Toronto. No cups, not even close. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and that group in Edmonton. No cups, not even close. Kind of makes you appreciate what's happened here, huh? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place you found this. The Golden Knights beat the Oilers 4-2 to last night in Edmonton, advancing to the Western Final out of Game 6. And they did so with a clinic, I thought, in what looked a lot like, can I say this without anybody biting my head off, Mike Sullivan Hockey. Yeah, I know. It's Bruce Cassidy behind their bench. But the way the team defended at all points on the rink, the way the team took care of the puck, the way the team filled the middle of the ice, cleared rebounds away, that looked like Sully hockey. It sure helped that Teddy Bluger was out there for the final two minutes. That really made it look familiar. Look, I'm not comparing any team in these playoffs to the Penguins we just witnessed. I've said this before. I will say it again. The Penguins would have lost to any of the 16 teams that qualified, and they would have lost in the first round. There's no other way to assess a team that has its season on the line and gets blown up by the Blackhawks, who were trying to lose. Okay? There's no justification for any of that. So don't misconstrue what I'm about to say here. I liked what I saw of Vegas's approach. When they had opportunities to score, Jonathan Marchessault made the most of them. Natural hat trick. He was dynamite. Edmonton's goaltending was lousy, but Marchessault was dynamite. Got the job done in the Edmonton zone. But from there, they just defended. They looked like, again, this team, whenever it was going good. So I suppose if one wanted to find some kind of common denominator between the two groups I mentioned at the outset, the easy one is, well, okay, Canada's never going to win another Stanley Cup. Once again, all seven of their franchises are out. There's been no Canadian Cup since 1993 when a baby-faced Patrick Waugh carried the Canadians, and I do mean carried them to that championship amid other upsets, not least of which was David Volick upsetting the Penguins. But the other, you know, if we're being real here, is a lack of grit. And I understand that grit has taken on different definitions over the course of hockey history. It used to mean who would fight who. It used to mean Gordie Howe skating around with his elbows up. And gradually, It turned into something a lot uglier with the Flyers of the mid-70s. And then it it took on an, I thought, even uglier turn in the mid-90s when the Devils turned everybody into defensive systemic robots. But in this era, in this era, when scoring is as high as it's been since the 80s, when hockey's as freewheeling and open as we've seen it in a long, long time, maybe more creative than we've ever seen it. 
if you consider some of the different types of passes and plays and the Trevor Zegers moves and everything else that get people excited. But when you get to the playoffs, it still comes down to having some jerks on your roster and having some jerks who are willing, no, 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 eager to do jerk-like things to get you ahead. I am stuck here in the moment, frozen in time at the image that was beautifully captured by Toronto star photographer Steve Russell in the moment that Nick Cousins of the Panthers put that shot behind Joseph Wall in Toronto. And Radko Gudis, who went flying up ice, looking like he was just going to skate through everybody. And I don't mean skate through them like cleverly. I mean just skate through them. With the center drive, uh, the little bit of a hold on Kyle Yarncroft's stick, uncalled. And finally, Cousins taking advantage of that to shoot the puck past Wall. And then Gouda stops over him, stops over the goaltender. Who's down on his knees, just kind of looking away, and Goodis just screams this primal scream right in his face. Totally classless, totally whatever. And you know what? If he's on your team, you love it. Two reasons you love it. One, you're happy he's on your team and not on the other one. And two, he won. They won. Now, to Wall's credit and to the rest of the Leafs' credit, I think... Presuming any of them even were aware of it in the moment, nobody did anything because they lost. It's what they do. They lose. It's what that group has done for years. They've not only lost, they've disappeared. Almost all of them. Matthews, just invisible. You'd never even know he was part of the series. Mitch Marner, occasionally. William Nylander, I thought, was terrific. He can feel free to join his brother here in Pittsburgh. John Tavares. And, and, I mean, he had his moments in the Boston series, obviously, but not in this one. And then you get to Edmonton, which is a way, way, way better example, way more powerful example. They have a real core of real talent. And you see Connor McDavid come away with eight goals. Leon Dreisaitl had like 174 of them. They also had Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Evander Kane, and guys who could legitimately fill the net. And occasionally in the playoffs, they did. But every time there was a difficult or challenging situation, the Oilers had no answer for it. Yeah, I mean, they, they would do stuff like what you saw last night. The Golden Knights scored in the opening minute, Riley Smith converting. And then Edmonton, boom, boom. And you're thinking, whoa, here they go. But they don't. There's never an extra gear. There's never that thing that makes you, in watching it, say, oh, this is different. This is different. We hadn't seen this before. That, my friends, is the separation between the grit that you need, the playoff grit, the playoff compete level, and what these teams do, and what these two cores have done. Thank your lucky stars as a hockey fan every single day that you got to watch Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, 
and Chris Letang win championships. They've never, ever, ever had a hard time finding that gear and, in fact, setting that tone for everyone else on their roster. When we come back, J1Q. Gene, who says, DK, I love the points you've been making on the show about Kyle Dubas as being a potential fit for the Penguins, but is he not a valid concern when it comes to overpaying people? Not even mentioning the stars on the Maple Leafs roster, but Matt Murray, $4.7 million for a nothing season and playoffs? What would change in Pittsburgh to help him? Gene, the answer to this is one that no one's going to have, not even the people who cover the Leafs for a living. Because they'd have to unearth who made what decision. According to every description of the dynamic in Toronto's front office, Dubas was micromanaged like crazy from above. So you don't know who said, hey, There's Murray. He won a couple of cups in Pittsburgh. And nobody bothers to check what he did in Ottawa. And they just think, oh, okay, well, that's like magic, right? He's just going to come in and be the same goalie he was in 2016 and 2017. Okay, cool. Let's let's pay him $4.7 million. I I don't know. I don't know if that's Dubas's call. I don't know if that's made over his head. I don't know. Conversely, if it's Dubas's call and Dubas's execution to go and get Ryan O'Reilly, which I thought was the best move that any team made at this past NHL trade deadline. And I had said so beforehand. I had said that this was the guy that Ron Hextall needed to be targeting that could put Jeff Carter in the press box and give the Penguins reliably three big time centermen and make themselves a massive headache for whoever they'd faced, including the Blackhawks, possibly. But no, no. Ended up going to Toronto. Is that Dubas's feather? I don't know. I don't know. Don't have that answer. Imagine the interview process. If you're the Penguins people, and you're asking him questions, a whole bunch of the questions have to be, who did this one? Who did that one? And then, how would you know he's telling the truth? I mean, not to get all weird on you here, but how would you know? How would you know? Who's going to attest to it? He's going to say, yes, he had a lot to do with all the good ones. And he's going to say, no, he had nothing to do with all the bad ones. So I'm not sold on this guy, Gene. I, I've gotten a couple of replies from listeners where the phrasing has come across as if I'm endorsing Dubas. I'm not. I'm also not knocking. I just don't know. I don't know how anybody can know. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.